Hello, you're listening to Just Screen It, Case Studies in Creative Distribution. I am your host, Colin Stryker, and I am not an expert in creative or self-distribution. I'm an independent filmmaker working towards making my first narrative feature, uh, a horror film entitled The Grove. Um, so as I've been contemplating my own eventual distribution strategy, I've become sort of fascinated with the notion of self-distribution, but I've found that it's really hard with all the information that's out there to uh, really get a good idea of how it's worked for people. So I decided to start this podcast to help capture some of the experiences of those who have already been through it, uh, whether successful or otherwise, and from those experiences, help both listeners and myself better understand this really complex, crazy landscape of independent film distribution today. So each week, I'll be bringing on a filmmaker who has self-distributed or used creative or non-traditional methods to distribute their film. Uh, my hope is that future filmmakers can take the knowledge gleaned from this show and use it to make their own decisions on how to best distribute their films. Hey, everybody. Today, it is my pleasure to bring you my conversation with Ian Austin, the director of the, I'm going to try to pronounce it right here, Barbabachian series. I don't know how many syllables there are in there. Barbabachian, something like that. Anyway, uh, I think he's up to four of them by now. Uh, he's put out three and is working on his fourth. Um, Ian hails from England and maybe better embodies the spirit of sort of just go out and make a movie more than anybody else that I've interviewed so far on this show. It's all covered pretty well in the interview. But Ian started out during COVID, uh, holed up in his apartment, or actually, I think that he was working in a hospital during COVID. So he was going in during those crazy early days when the rest of us were at home, uh, which can't have been fun. Uh, but when not working, he was holed up in his apartment. So he decided to just start making a sort of a bare bones, horror comedy, experimental kind of thing centered around a character um, at home in his apartment who is haunted by a series of demons, including the eponymous Barbabachin. It's definitely rough around the edges kind of stuff. Um, I think he would be the first to admit that, but it's done with a sort of carefree DIY ethic that for me anyway, and I've only watched the first one so far, really had a sort of distinctive understated charm to it all. Uh, it's not really mass audience kind of stuff, so Ian has taken to putting it out there on a few platforms and collecting whatever revenue he can get from it, uh, but seems really happy to just uh, be making these movies and collecting what he can. Uh, like I said, he's up to four by now, which I think is kind of cool. Anyway, in the interview, we talk about all this and more. It's a fun, low-key conversation, and like I said, I really admire the DIY work-within-your-constraints spirit of it all. So without any further delay, let's get to my conversation with Ian Austin. I'm Ian Austin. I'm the <laughs> director of the Babatching Trilogy. Um, I got my start because I just have always loved movies, and when I was um, 16, I discovered that my high school was doing a um, movie course. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. And I watched a lot of strange movies, just got more into the creative parts of it and just started writing scripts for fun. Um, and then I went to university and spent three years in a BA, in a bachelor's degree, and two years in a master's, just getting very, very drunk and having lots of fun, not really doing anything movie-related. Um, and then, yeah, got to 13. I just thought, you know what? I want to make a movie. And I made a bunch of movies now. So there you go. 
That's great. <clears throat> yeah, like 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 we were saying offline. I I watched. I, I don't even. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna fumble on the pronunciation if I even try. Barba, <laughs> Barbatachian. Everyone does. I I because I I forget how it's meant to sound. So um... <laughs> yeah, I think even in the movie itself, I, I think uh, you you say it different ways sometimes. <laughs> you know, because every time you say it in the movie, I'm like, okay, so that's how you say it, and then I hear you say it, you know, kind of a different way, and well, well, maybe not so consistent, but. But I, but you know, as we were saying offline, I, I enjoyed it. It's a it's a fun, scrappy little film uh, made on basically no budget. I think uh, in your apartment, um, kind of playing around with some experimental techniques and kind of some some silly horror and some comedy and all all kinds of things thrown in. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I I wanted to make a horror movie, and um, yeah. <laughs> it was originally meant to be a fan footage movie, but I just gave up very quickly, because yeah. um, that whole fan footage thing of, like, you find a camera, and, you know, it just got really boring after a while, so I just did whatever I wanted to do, and <laughs> so I was like, that's good enough for my first attempt. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want to uh, maybe just give a, a quick summary of what the movie's about? Yeah, um, so the basic gist is that... Um, the one of the most unlikable people you'll ever see in the movie, haunted <laughs> by various ghosts and demons, and Bubba Batching is one of them. And he just has a really horrible time. And in each movie, the same thing happens to him over and over again, and he has an even worse time. And the gist was not originally said it was going to be found first, so it's going to be more paranormal activity orientated, but then. I have a weird sense of humor, so it's sort of Evil Dead in terms of not taking it safe very seriously at all. Um, And yeah, just generally for what would be the sort of horror movie that me and my friends could watch and laugh. And it's definitely a movie you laugh during. I don't know if you laugh with it or at it, but the acting's terrible, the effects are terrible. The fake blood would be very realistic because I did actually buy some if you could see it, but I oh I changed the color palette so you couldn't see it because why not? <laughs> and generally, yeah, I just thought, you know, if I was gonna make a movie with no money, what movie would I make? And I just decided the stupidest horror movie that <laughs> England has ever seen. And I think I succeeded. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I I will say it, it has a certain charm to it uh, that I think is kind of goes along with the spirit in which you made it. You know, sort of not uh, not trying to uh, achieve too much in the level of production quality or anything like that, and just kind of wearing that on your sleeve and and just kind of just going with it. You know, in a weird way, I think it just kind of works that way. I think if you sort of tried harder to make a quote better film, it would probably fail more, you know, uh, but as it is, it's just sort of like, it's just fun. So I, yeah, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, So when you set about to make this, did you have any kind of plans for getting it shown, getting it seen by people? You know, what, what was your kind of thought about that? Uh, when my thought while making it was actually, it's um, I made it during the pandemic, and I was actually I actually work in a hospital. So, as obviously as you guys all know, we couldn't do anything. It was like mm-hmm. you worked, you came home, you worked, you came home, and after watching a few days of Netflix and finishing Tiger King, I just thought, I, I what most am I going to do? And I just figured, if I was ever going to make a movie, it was when I had the time to do it, and really nothing else to actually do <laughs> so i made a terrible horror movie and it kept me sane and it was um 
Not easy to do, actually, because, I mean, making a movie sounds very glamorous, but even when you're doing it low budget, you're just doing it in your flat, it's very, very time-consuming. Because, like, as, as people heard probably on podcast, my phone's falling over three times, and that was um, something that happened quite a lot while making the movie. My iPad was always falling over. <laughs> something we actually made it into a movie, so, you know, you can see my struggle. <laughs> But generally, just I was never going to have enough chance to have that much time to just make a movie. And it's allowed me to stop running out of excuses not to do something like that, because when are you going to have that much free time? So make the movie on very bare bones editing software, tried to make the best movie I could with no budget, no one is to hip out, <laughs> except for a few cameos from friends. <laughs> and um, yeah just okay. made a very pandemic fueled horror movie so cool yeah uh but then you i mean you decided to make two more so uh was that kind of was that all made under the same sort of conditions like being locked down in covid or did you kind of even once things started opening up and you were kind of getting more out uh, having a normal life again did you still just want to keep going with this same theme and and same idea well, the problem, not so much problem, but thing was, I said on Twitter, I'll make one of these every year for as long as I can. And um, I would love to have a bigger cast and a thing. I just always run out of time. It's <laughs> 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 like between the job and all the rest of life stuff. These movies just, <sighs> pinching them is a nightmare every single year. <laughs> you know, and it's like... Um, and also, I kind of run into the problem of I just like shooting stuff when I feel like it, but it's hard to get other people's schedules to match up with that because I don't really do ways sitting around waiting for people to be available. I just want to shoot stuff. But I am working on getting more of a cast going, but I got sort of hamstrung safe with this whole idea of one a year indefinitely. It's like, well, it has to be made, so... I just need to keep going until I can finally find someone to replace me as the main character in this franchise. Because <laughs> I like acting, but I also hate it with a fairy passion. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've made these these three movies, have you made, I know it's online, I watched it online through kind of a secret link with a, with a password. Um, have you made any any other kind of efforts to get it out there and seen by people outside your immediate circle of friends, anything like that? Yeah, yeah, it's on... Um, awesome stream platform called indie nation network mm -hmm. um it's like an indie stream map it's on that and i get royalties which is also yeah. a good reason making movies because for some reason people watch them and i get paid a small amount of money so i'm like yeah. i'll keep making them and getting more money it's on um this other great platform called new village video where you can rent videos um and movies and that's great more and it's on a few other ones, which are sort of more startup. Um, but I should hopefully get some money from that. And so it's just weird. Think this movie I made during the pandemic for basically keep myself sane has now actually made me some money. Not as much as it could have, but more than if I hadn't made this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't didn't spend very much on it uh, other than time. You didn't spend very much on it. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, the costs do start to go up each year because like editing software and website costs and stuff like that but yep. not that bad i mean I, I don't think overall i'm not in profit on it but not spending that much so and it's it is fun and the more i make 
the more hope there is that Blumhouse eventually will go, oh, <laughs> the American market and we'll pay him a check so he can go away and not have any more fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Have you undertaken any any kind of any kind of concerted effort to try to push push that a little bit more? Have you contacted sort of sales agents or distributors directly or anything like that? Or have you just been kind of satisfied to keep it on these streaming platforms for now and just kind of hope that it spreads somehow? Oh, no, I, I've always made concerted effort to sort of like try and get in contact with people and see what interest they have, if any. But I think I was I think if I refrain from putting on YouTube and these services, I might have had more luck. But I'm very impatient. And I was like, firstly, I thought, oh, well, there's nothing out there, no platform. So I'll just throw it on YouTube so people can watch it. <laughs> and then that, I thought, oh, yeah, there's a few platforms. I'll put on those. And then I thought, well, maybe someone won't buy it. But once a movie's been on YouTube and on enough platforms for a while, it's harder to get some interest going in the earlier ones. Um, I was trying to get some attribution going, but the costs, it's so high that it's just it's almost prohibitive doing it because unless you think you're going to get that money back yeah there's no point spending 2000 or 600 or whatever on getting it on these platforms especially as i love the movies but that first one particularly would need a full-on james cameron remastering before anyone would pick up on mm. like netflix or amazon because it was made for youtube and my own amusement and i love it but it doesn't it's, it's not a movie which could play in the cinema in its current form yeah. um it would be probably an even worse experience for someone in cinema than i had watching skin of marie where <laughs> i just thought i was really impressed that they got that in cinemas but i could think of was this doesn't feel like a, a big budget like a cinema movie, you know? And yeah. my one be even worse because it's scratchy and the audio's not very good. <laughs> it's it's a chaotic experience to watch it. So Yeah. But like I said, I think that's kind of part of its charm. And I think that if you tried to make it slicker, you know, there's sort of a level at which you have to achieve if you're going to try to achieve that level, you have to achieve that level or or you're just going to fail. So but if you stay just kind of below that level and just kind of it kind of admit up front that you are not even really going to try that hard you're just going to kind of throw it out there and put it together yeah. and and yet it's a you know it's a it's an engaging film just kind of on that level you know so i think you've i think you've achieved a good balance there that's not to say that you know you shouldn't go and try to make something of higher production quality if oh, yeah. you want to at some point you know um but it's definitely like it, it, in some ways it becomes a tougher game because then you're sort of like competing with people who've done it you know really well done those kinds of things really yeah. well um, so, you know, it's a, I think that's a tough call. Can you, um, just to, to take us back a little bit to you talked about kind of the cost of, of putting a movie out there on these platforms. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Like, what are those costs? So when you're dealing with attribution, obviously you're dealing with, um, it depends what platforms you use. If you, there's one, um, there's uh, one out there called, um, movie hub or something like that. And basically they won't take. They won't charge you a cost for it, but they're expecting Amazon, Apple, HD mastered versions of movies. And unless you set out to make that movie in that format, it's very difficult to rework it after it's already been finished and cut and put together. There's one called um, 
it's enough from these companies. But generally, it's just if you work with an attributor, usually, unless they really, really like the movie, there's some sort of cost to get it on these platforms. Like they do their quality control, they hype it up, they'll make sure sound matches and all of that. I mean, you can do it on your own, but you always run into problems of um, is it going to be quite at their level? Because if it's not, they're going to have to do more work on top of it over there. Mm-hmm. So I think one I was tempted to go with was probably, I think they said, as long as your movie hits certain standards for like £700 or dollars or whatever, they can get on this platform. But then you run into issue of, well, what if they can't get on this platform? Because Amazon particular used to take videos directly from people, but now it's a fight to even get them to look at it because streaming services are all struggling now with you know more costs and wanting the rings of power and be honest if it's choice between rings of power and bubba batchin i would choose bubba batchin <laughs> um the rings of power was one of the most boring things i ever watched but um yeah I'll, I'll i'll have to jump in and agree with you there i i i really didn't like it uh i found it yeah, boring. I, I yeah, just like the, yeah. The, there didn't seem like there was any soul to it. Like the characters did, the characters were so kind of cardboard and and just didn't really have any like real, like inner kind of struggle or anything that I could connect to. It just felt all just visual dazzle and just kind of surface conflict and that kind of thing. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get the appeal of that one either. But you know, whereas like you know, Skinnerink, yeah, it doesn't really have a whole lot of kind of soul or anything like any any real character development or arc or anything like that but i found it fairly engaging i wasn't completely sold on it but i found it fairly engaging and i was just sort of amazed that something like that had found theatrical distribution and was out there and people were watching it and paying you know 12 dollars or whatever they're paying to to go see it in a movie theater you know it's kind of remarkable i think my experience is probably colored by the fact that i took a train to london so i spent an hour on train to go see it <laughs> so i went in with different expectations than most people went into right. it yeah but i appreciate it and i thought Wow, someone who spent fifteen thousand dollars got this into a cinema in London. Yep. So it's awesome, you know. Regardless yep. of whether you liked it or not, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, have you made any effort to play in film festivals, anything like that, or any kind of theatrical showings for your film? Um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult because I don't know how. It, I'm not sure how it works in America, but. Here, you can't play anything commercially in cinema unless you have a BBFC certification. Mm-hmm. But that costs a fortune to get. Yeah. So um, you can have it played for friends and family, but to be honest, my friends and family aren't... Well, friends, yes, family's not necessarily the audience for this movie. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't... I, if it's going to play in cinemas, I'd rather it play and people pay for it rather than me pay a hundred pounds or whatever for a friends and family showing because mm-hmm. I just think like that's it's more an ego boost than anything. Say, hey, it got in cinemas, but you're paying for it. So it doesn't really feel like you've achieved anything. Yeah. That makes any sense. Yep, sure does. Uh, and festival wise, again, my problem was I put on I put first one on or the original cut on YouTube and then I went to movie festivals and they all said, well if it's played publicly, we don't want it we want new movies and i was like i wish i knew that a month ago (laughs) yeah not really much luck with those but that's fine i i I was happy to just release it and just see where it went from there so Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So let, let's talk about that a little bit more because you said you've actually gotten a little bit of, of revenue from it. So can you sp- speak at all to, to numbers at all? Like what kind of revenue you've actually seen for it in real pounds? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. Like, sure. I mean, last year I nearly, nearly hit three figures. And I know that's to a lot of people, that's like free anything. But to me, it's like, I was just a guy who made the movie for fun. And yeah. the fact that it made anything, even if it's not made a profit, it's just amazing. It's sort of like this was done so I would have something to do during the pandemic. And mm. the fact that every three, four months I'll get even a little bit of money just is constantly blows my mind. It's sort of like people are still watching this. Like even in small numbers, the fact that anyone contributes or watches this stuff is just <laughs> It's awe-inspiring because, I mean, I would still be I'd still make them even if no one watched. It's just, you know, they would just go on, on YouTube and I would get more hate comments, so it's <laughs> really fun to engage with. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get a lot of those? Um, for the first one I did, but they just make me laugh and I just love <laughs> right. engaging like that because they get very frustrated when people reply back with, positive like oh thanks for watching it really angers some of these people because they're trying to get under your skin and when they fail they get really upset about it so but i i also figure like you know i like trashing horror movies too you know i i find it fun to sort of um watch some awful movie like feeding frenzy and just laugh at it Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to judge someone if they watch my movies and they think this is so bad it's hilarious i'm like we're great like we all have movies like that so why not get some enjoyment out of it and feel like the person making it isn't going to have a go at you if you don't like his movie because i i, I don't care like you know yeah. you watch it you have web opinion you want as long as you don't go on twitter and send the um right-wing hate mob after me you know it's all <laughs> although be honest like They've got well, not better things to do, but they've got other people to attack rather than me. So. I totally get you. I mean, it's a what you've done is sort of sort of low stakes, and and anybody who's kind of taking it seriously as a high stakes thing, like you know, this is this is to be looked at at the same level as you know, a big studio movie out of Hollywood, or even like some like slick you know independent production or something like that. Like they're just they're missing the boat, you know. Like that's yep. not that's not the spirit yep. in which this is even being put out there. You know, um, so uh, so with your with your film kind of being out there on on these different streaming platforms, have you have you actually done any kind of promotion? Have you have you done anything yourself to try to direct people to these films at all? Um, I mean, my website's on WordPress, and occasionally I'll do like a um, really small advertising campaigns, but mainly it's just you know put the word out there on Twitter, just trying sometimes trying and <laughs> steal the thunder of other movies um, by posting hey you like this go and see this which um doesn't really work brilliantly but i mean <laughs> it's more for spreading awareness than anything because i mean i have to imagine most people aren't gonna leap to spending um a lot of money on something that they've never heard of but it's good to spread awareness um i'll do short videos on youtube and link to the website and that sometimes works but sometimes you just get replies back with what are you doing (laughs) so like the people who have watched it that are not just your immediate contacts do you know how they found it yeah i mean like i mean 
seems to be viewed with the spirit it should be viewed with. I mean, I think especially the first one, people are reasonably kind to because it very much is what it is. Um, the second and third ones, I've tried to sort of make something of, of more quality. Um, the third one got a really good review by this um, nice guy on Lon- on the um, Twitter called Dark Eyes of London. Um, he did a fanzine uh, magazine and did a review of it, and that was very cool. Um, I think it goes back to what you're saying. If you view it with the spirit, it should be viewed that like something that is actually unique in the land of movies, which are all higher budget, higher quality, higher standards, but they all blend into one. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to be... If you're comparing it to something like Avatar, it's sort of like they're at complete other ends of spectrum. But, I mean, they both have a personality and uniqueness that I would imagine most movies that get in cinemas don't have. I mean, there's some bad reviews, but I just, I just don't care to be honest. I just think they're as valid as anything is. But if you don't get the spirit of what I'm going for, I can respect your viewpoint. But you need to grade these things on a curve. Like this was made the equivalent of a lot of those really uh, low budget, slocky, tasteless, exploitative American indie horror movies, which. We here would used to go to Woolworths or HMV and just see them and they'd have the worst looking covers you could find and you'd enjoy. <laughs> if you went into the right mindset, it's got, there have been a few very, very critical um, reviews, but those were pretty funny to read too. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great attitude. And I, I think particularly these days when I think it's really, really difficult for independent filmmakers to get their films out there and seen that filmmakers who are kind of, you know, making films that they think will be like, you know, this big event and launch their career and get picked up by Sundance or whatever and all of this stuff, like, I think it's it serves serves some filmmakers well to try to rein those things in a little bit and and be a little bit more humble and just make movies, you know, make movies with the resources you have and put them out there and don't expect them to be this big, huge thing, this big, huge, you know, you're not going to get discovered. The angels aren't going to come down and pick you up. You know, I mean, that, <laughs> that happens once in a while, but it's very, very rare. But when you're putting so much effort into that and not focusing on just making movies that make you happy, then I think you're missing out on that experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just have to ask, I know we, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I, I have to ask, um, you know, what are your sort of ambitions for the future then? What are you working on now? What are you looking to do next? Uh, so I've got a cut of the next movie finished. Um, so I'll watch that um, probably this weekend. And this Is this number uh, three or number four? Number four. Number so. four. So number three is already out there, and this is number four, and it's still the same series. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. I've got another two scripts, and I want to make one of those. It's just those those have higher expectations of, from me of what I want to achieve, and I don't want to do either of those until I can actually do it properly. I mean, those are not toot my own horn, but those would be actual like proper movies which are trying to say something and would have a cast and would be aiming higher but i don't want to do either of those until i can do them properly and that means more money and cast and so for now 
doing this one, doing um, my passion project, if I ever finish it, which is um, an adaptation of The Great Gatsby, done in stop motion with um, uh, toy dinosaurs. Um, but that's taking a long time to get right because mm -hmm. stop motion is quite complex. Um, I've got a keyboard due to come any day now so I can do my score for them. My first actual score for one of these movies, um, which will probably be terrible, but it's <laughs> quite fun to learn that. Um, yeah. And then I've got some scripts and try and get some people to buy. So if they buy one of those, I'll actually have some money to make one of these serious movies. But yeah, just until things change, just make one of these movies every year. And that's one... I have actually started writing um, and would have more casting it. I haven't finished that. I got to like page 50 and took a break, but that's quite um, disgusting and more cast and mm -hmm. um, same, same apartment, but just more people um, than just me and whoever I can get on any random day to be in there. But yeah, so I've got some good stuff coming. Just got to find time and money to do it. Yep. Uh, cool. Um, do you have any sort of words of wisdom or advice for other filmmakers who kind of want to try to do the same thing? Any any wisdom you want to impart? Yeah. I mean, the main thing I'd say is there is nothing wrong with, like, for example, Donnie Darko, Richard Kelly's first movie, I think is just amazing. And think he all the elements combined and he got funding, he got cast people wanting all that. And you look at guys like Tarantino Smith who did the same thing, but that's a rare thing. That doesn't usually happen. Your best bet is to pick a genre like horror, get your friends together, get some local actors, and just make something. And it might not be good. It might not be great. But the myth that your first movie makes or breaks your career, I, I, I don't buy it. I just think you should just make something and just make the best thing you can with what you've got. The avenues release it now. We've got the, all these platforms like Internation Network, New Village Video, Projector, CubeStream, all of these avenues. And they've got YouTube. So if you can't find somewhere to play it, just put it on YouTube and be watching watchings that way. They've got in, an entire movement of folk movies where they'll just put them on YouTube for free because they love making movies and they want things to get out there. And they, they get an audience. And it might not be your career starts straight away where you're whisked off to Hollywood to direct Ant-Man 4. But, I mean, to be honest, after watching Ant-Man 3, that doesn't look like Hank director in the first place. So I, I think for now I'd rather just make my silly movies in my flat which actually have personality to them. For me, the royalties are great. Again, movies out there is great too. But the thing I'm most happy with is now I've got connections so if I see a good movie, a good low-budget movie, I can mention, hey, this movie's out there. Are you guys interested? To be honest, that's the money's great, but that's the thing I'm happiest with. And that mm. I can try and, if I can, give people a hand bypassing some of the early struggles I had by saying, these platforms are there. You're not going to be rich, but like you can get your movie out there. You can get some money. You can get some royalties. And get more chance of being noticed and i've this whole thing i've made some connections like i almost sold a script last year um wouldn't have been re money retire on but 
the connections I've made have been worth the deficit in royalties or whatever because I've got people I'm friendly with now who are doing things which are amazing and I get to see them and potentially might be able to get some opportunities off that. So, and I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't made that silly move in my flat. So, I mm-hmm. think that's another reason to make it. This might not make you money, but you might meet some people from it, and who knows where that could go. But you won't have that chance if you don't make a movie. So, make make a shitty movie. Why not? <laughs> yep. This idea that you have to be good at something to enjoy it or to make a go of it. We both see so many terrible movies a year made by far, far richer people. And, like, if these guys can make a career making movies, then at the very least, we should be able to make movies because mm-hmm. clearly it's not necessarily always a talent thing. It's just people who have to drive to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are great words, I think. Uh, anything else to add? Anything that we didn't cover that you would like to cover or? Uh, no, no, um, because um, I'm trying not to be critical of more successful um, independent movies. So um, I'll probably tr- resist the urge to say anything more. But <laughs> I mean, this is a safe space. You can say whatever you want. Uh, you know, I think people people understand oh. that these are your opinions. So I encourage you to say what whatever it is that's on your mind. But of course, that's up to you. <clears throat> I feel like I would like the only thing I'll say is I would like to see more how to put this. The English movie scene, I think, is just it's it's either you make a movie for nothing or you make a movie for a lot of money, which isn't quite up to the American money, but like, you know, talking one million, two million, three million, four million. I'd like to see the English movie industry make movies for fifty thousand, make movies for a hundred thousand. Because as we found with Hollywood, when you get up to a certain budget, you need to make that money back, which means you're making movies to concessions and to please an entire quadrant of people. And I'd like it, you know, we had more investment in this country. So something like Evil Dead could be made where people go off to a cabin and make a movie, not for a lot of money, but for a decent amount of money. And I just think, that's something I'd like to see improve in this country and America, where I suppose you can just say crazy millionaires just spending 50000 being like, here's 50000 just make whatever you want. And as long as I make a tiny bit of profit, that's fine. And I think that's the problem here, because, <laughs> again, not be critical, but unless you're making um, animatronic movies or... <laughs> movies about public domain characters i don't think people really care in this country about low budget horror you know so it's a shame but i think you know a long time ago i think there was more opportunity for smaller movies to be made and now it's like unless you fund it you're safe it's not really much out there so yeah 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 i hear yeah, you but although i do think you know, I mean, we've seen we've seen a number of successful horror movies lately of, oh, yeah. of kind of varying levels of of production yeah. quality and and budget that kind of thing. And you know, I think we're we're sort of in what feels to me a little bit like a golden era for low budget horror movies and and not you know not just low budget but but horror movies that have 
some original content and and a new take on the genre and that kind yeah. of thing. Certainly, Skin of a Rink, but you know things like the Menu and X and uh, you know these these kinds of oh, things. Certainly, higher budget things, but but still, they're, they're I think they're opening audiences' eyes to the fact that there's fresh yeah. horror content to be made out there, and maybe that'll have a trickle down effect on some of the really low budget stuff that's being made, and and th that kind of thing will get accepted more and, and and brought into at least some kind of system. I don't know if we really want those things to be brought into the central system, but brought into, you know, put out there in some way that they're exposed to people for them to see. Um, you know, I think that 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 could be happening. There could be something there. So sorry, did you have something to add on that? Um, just that I loved X. X yeah. was fantastic. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. More yep. stuff like that. Wonderful. Um, yep. and, and we're finally getting six months after you guys were finally getting the sequel to it coming out in a month so uh, you haven't had it yet yeah yeah no, no, no. <laughs> i'm wondering in 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 the uk is there a little bit more and you may not know compared to the us but in the us there's basically no government support for filmmaking at all there's no there's no funds um there's a little bit i think for people who are making kind of social issue films or social issue documentaries that kind of thing and and that's great um but just in terms of kind of like yeah, you know, if if you're a horror filmmaker, you're not going to go get a grant from the U.S. government here in, in any way, shape, or form. Is there any kind of kind of support in the U.K. for for that kind of filmmaking? Do you know? Um, there is, but it's very much like um, your movie has to be your movie. Your your idea base has to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there was a movie called There's a movie called Sensor, which. I recommend to everyone. Mm. Just one of the best horror movies I've ever seen, to be honest. Wow. And that got that got financing, but that's like top of the line, high quality, like just everything's about it's perfect. So I think we, you're not going to get much unless you basically hit a home run mm. with um, your script and with your idea. And as much as I do love these movies, like they're the sort of schlock horror me and my friends will watch while um, <laughs> drunk, <laughs> very, very yeah. drunk, and a lot of enjoyment out of. But that's never going to be something that any government is going to fund, particularly. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it is this, but you are basically, if you want it, you are basically going through the same hurdles you would if you were trying to get a studio to make it. It's not much easier. They want to see proof that, It'll be it's a worthy movie, that it's a good movie, that it'll make its money back. And it's 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 a lot of work. And I do appreciate people who go through it because as sense approved, if it works, it works perfectly. But I just always get so with me, it's like I just would rather just go make something. Like mm -hmm. start getting into financing and budgets and casting. I feel like the movies I have for that would be good and would get a good reception but when you're looking at two years two and a half years to from start to finish i just i envy i just think i'd be so bored like you know <laughs> yeah. um you hear this from people like they finish their movies they never watch them again they they put so much time in those two and a half years and by envy they're just like sick of it yeah so i mean although be honest i only watch the um, Bubba Batching movies again when I need to upgrade them or do a new transfer or something like that. I don't 
really rewatch them that often because oh. it's like with your favorite movie. I've watched Back to the Future about a hundred times, and by this point, it's just background noise. Like I know <laughs> the back to front, and it's the same my ones. I know everything, so no surprises left. Yep. Um, so yeah, but I I think. The fi- government financing when it does work in England is fantastic and it produces great stuff, but it's as much of a fight as it is with anything else. Um, once you get through it, it's great, but getting through all those stages is just like an exercise in frustration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. All right, uh, any any other final thoughts? Just again, just you know, I recommend people just make something, even if it's yep. just. Uh, fatal deviation style movie if they're friends just go do it like just make something that you and your friends can watch and enjoy and if you guys if they enjoy it and you enjoy it someone out there will also enjoy it even if it's just one person yep to watch or even if it's just one person who watches in five years and just thinks wait what (laughs) (laughs) that's worth it too so yeah yeah, great. Uh, so uh, where can people find you? Where can they watch your, your films? Uh, that kind of thing. So the movies are available obviously on New Village Video, Indie Nation Network, Projector, CubeStream. Um, if people don't want to pay for them, they're on YouTube. If people really want to give me money directly, they're on my website, um, which is a spelling of Bubba Batchen, which it's different to all the other spellings of it. <laughs> but if you search for Bubba Batchen um, online, you should find the website and movies are up there. And I'm on Twitter, but I can't remember what my handle is at this point. But <laughs> if people search for Bubba Batchen, they'll probably find that too, yep. where I post my various comments and occasionally um, get into arguments with um, people who make certain public domain horror movies <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I'm um, I'm quite opinionated, um, yeah. which is good and bad. Uh, yeah. But I, I put up stuff there. I put up YouTube videos on my YouTube channel, um, which again I can't remember what it's called, but <laughs> them are up there. Yeah. Uh, there's a Batchen movies YouTube channel which I don't use very often. I probably should. Um, and yeah, just I, I think if someone searches for Bubba Batching online, I'll be the first hit. So yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> you definitely have you have an original name that is, isn't going to be confused with anything else when you, you know, put it into Google or whatever. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's always I mean, good. That's nothing I suggest. Um, just pick the most unique title you can for your movie because yeah. you always see as you discover your websites and things grow the weird searches that people make and they come up for your movie. Yep. So weird and title, the more searches, your random searches people make for your movies. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense. Cool. Okay. Um, well, it's been a, a great conversation. Like I said, I really kind of admire your, your approach and your attitude. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck going forward, you know, whether it's continuing to make more barb, bat chewing bar i don't know whatever it is uh movies or if you get the opportunity to make something you know at a higher budget level or whatever but uh, you know wish you the best of luck no matter how it pans out so but just m- most importantly just keep making movies and keep enjoying it yeah absolutely boss we do all right well that's all for today thanks everyone for listening uh if you enjoyed this episode please rate and or review the podcast on apple podcasts then spread the word tell your friends because i'm just starting out so i can use all the help i can get to grow the show and reach a wider audience of independent filmmakers and others who just want to try to understand this uh crazy crazy world of independent film distribution 
Also, uh, I would love to hear your feedback, positive, negative, whatever. Comments, questions, suggestions, send them my way. Uh, if you have guests in mind whose experiences you want to hear about, let me know and I'll do my best to get them on the show. If you know people who have experience with self or creative distribution, please put me in touch. I'm on Twitter at JustScreenIt. My Instagram is JustScreenItPodcast. Or you can just email me at JustScreenIt at DarkRosePictures.com. Uh, by the way, darkrosepictures.com is my in-progress website for my feature and my other projects, uh, but it's not really up just yet, uh, just a coming soon banner right now, but the full site is coming very, very soon uh, if you want to follow my work. Anyway, that is truly all for now. I have lots more great guests lined up in the coming weeks. I'll be putting an episode up once or twice a week for the foreseeable future, so stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.